Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge. And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now. I'm Serge Boudreaux. I'm joined by my wonderful, lovely co-host, Shelly. How's it going, Shelly? Good, good, Serge. I thought you for sure would comment on my hair today because I'm having a really good hair day. No? You know, I, I was going to wait. Uh, oh. Yeah, you're having, you're like, I, I didn't want to give out compliments right away because it does go oh. to your head and I don't want it to interfere with the show. So your hair is looking good, but you didn't comment Thank on you. mine. I, I got a haircut. You did, I know. And your hair is always so perfect. You know, like I've never seen you with messy hair. So I guess well, that's is, what we have in common. So it's great to be a guy. Okay, I'll, I'll give it because... <laughs> I haven't gone to a barber since March. My wife has been cutting my hair. I think we've talked about this <laughs> yeah. before. Yeah. And she's become a master of it. But then, you know what? I drove by my barber the other day before the lockdown and a oh, poor guy, he's sitting there just waiting for business and I, I feel guilty. So he must be wondering, where did Serge go? Because he saw me every two weeks and now he hasn't <laughs> seen me. Maybe. Oh, the poor, yeah, I'm sure his revenue dropped by 50% just because you exactly. didn't show up. Yeah, yeah, yeah just yeah. from me, exactly. Yeah. We have a really good guest today. <laughs> I'm very do. excited about this one. So Shelly, let's yes. start. I'm, I am so thrilled. I, I'm still kind of pinching myself that Rod agreed <laughs> to join us. Uh, we have today as our special guest, Rod Miller, who's the president and CEO of CPHR Alberta. Rod, Welcome. Oh my gosh, it's so uh, it's so great to be here with both of you, and I love the banter. And I was I was hoping to comment on the filter that I put up today, just to make sure that my skin looked okay. Because we were talking about uh, how, how we how we both how we all look today. Your your skin is here. looking Thanks good. You're you're a little shiny. Youthful. Little shiny. Little shiny. I'm right in front of a window. That's the problem. Yeah, there there uh, you go. Uh, but so youthful, Rod. That's a great Thank filter. Thank you, Shelley. Yes. Thank yes. you, Shelley. <laughs> Rod, I, I do want to put a caveat just so it doesn't, uh, your ego doesn't get too inflated. Uh, Shelly does say to a lot of people that she pinches herself that they agreed to be on the show. So I just want oh, to turn down a little bit of a peg before we you start. You can't so even let me charm a little, can you, Serge? Like, no, I think you're no. jealous. I am jealous. I, I'm usually... Get over it. Get over it. Anytime we get uh, distinguished gentlemen on, uh, you, you blush and you give compliments. I've been in isolation too long. Oh my God. Let's dive right in. Um, Rod, I, you know, I, I know you've spent your career, you've dedicated yourself to the profession of HR, but take us back to the moment in, in your career when you went, you know, I think this is my life's work. Shelly, for, for that question. And I spent a bit of time kind of reflecting on that question because I've always been involved and engaged in the HR function in some way. And I always tell people that Human resources is as broad as it is deep. And, and to be an HR professional, there's often a movement into kind of specialty areas of things that you do. I've always enjoyed the area of, of people development, talent management, and leadership. And so that's really where I began my career mm -hmm. back in the pharmaceutical days where I had a chance to lead uh, teams and build teams uh, to launch some really innovative uh, pharmaceutical and biotech products into the country. And that led me into um, working for a human capital firm. Um, where we, we did a lot of placement work, we did a lot of consulting work. And that's really for me when I really found the jam of, of what I really wanted to do, which was to be in a profession where it focused on the development of people uh, in their roles and in their careers to really become and excel at things they never even thought possible. Uh, I've had the fortune of being able to work with a number of different organizations 
in the capacity of building strong, high-performing teams. And so that has all kind of been resident to what I've been doing for the last number of years. But more recently, I've had the opportunity to lead CPHR Alberta, and I've been there for just about two years now, where I get a chance to advocate and be the voice of the profession mm-hmm. across Alberta Northwest Territories and Nunavut. And that, for me, is... Um, I'm in the role that I really want to be in right now. And it's being that leader role for our profession as a whole. Yeah. Wow. Um, And it's so needed. It really is. I think um, to have a strong voice to represent, you're right, because it's such a big category. And most people just see HR as, um, you know, what their only experience is maybe, um, you know, when there's a problem, right? Yeah. But yeah. um, to advocate for the profession, it's just, I've seen such a, an incredible um, improvement in what it is that the organization delivers. Um, mm. and, and this year, especially, like, mm. wow, wow. <laughs> you know, it's been, um, you know, it's not lost on anyone, just how essential HR support. And again, big category, because there's, mm. there's a lot mm. going on under the surface. Yeah, a lot there. But a lot there. You know, even for you personally, Rod, share with us, if you would, what you see as maybe an unexpected gift or a bonus that that brought is as a positive side effect of, of COVID in the year that we've had here. Yeah, you know, it's I, I love this time of year because it's a chance to kind of look back and reflect on what has been a very dynamic and interesting year and challenging year for, for many, um, whether it's professional or, or personal. And, and I think for me, what has been the real gift is is the gift. There's really been two things: uh, the mm-hmm. gift of connection, uh, the gift of being able to connect uh, with my team in a different so way, um, being yeah. remote uh, versus being in the office. So how to kind of navigate that dynamic environment, uh, and then and then connect with the members in a way that we've never connected with before. And one of the wins for us this year, which I'm really proud of, is we had always struggled as an association representing everybody everywhere within our jurisdiction. And it's a big jurisdiction. We have, we've got the province of Alberta. We've got Northwest Territories. We've got Nunavuts. We've got quite the span of geography mm-hmm. to try to connect people together. And so one of the goals that we had this year as we began to think about um, technology was let's develop programs that meet our members where they're at. And that, that I mean that from the perspective of let's deliver to you what's important to you as a member to help you continue to grow and develop in your career and also personally in your lives. And that to me has been, I think, the biggest win is being able to, to get over that hump of doing things in a very traditional way, which was often face-to-face and often in the classroom or at a conference where you come together in some location in some city and really take it out to the people in the far corners of the jurisdiction. And I wanna give you an example. At the end of our, uh, uh, in September, our year-end annual conference occurred and we made the call to go to a virtual conference back in May. And so the team really mobilized around this and we delivered our our conference virtually online in uh, six or seven hours on a Wednesday. all across, all across Canada. We had uh, people from uh, other organizations, other jurisdictions join us online. We had people from Europe, North Africa, the United States wow. join us for our conference. And to me, that's what the potential was, was being able to really connect with the community and bring them together. So yeah. for me, that was probably um, the biggest gift uh, professionally. But personally, it's the gift of time. I realized, as many have, how much time we spend doing things that may not be a priority for us. Mm-hmm. And so when I began kind of navigating the environment of the pandemic and what was important to me, I realized that I got some time back in the day not having to commute to the office. So how would I use that time? 
And I decided that I would bookend my days by starting with a walk and then finishing with a walk at the end of the day to try to keep myself mentally and physically attuned in, in this changing environment. Well, that turned into running. And now I'm back into running and I haven't run for 20 years. So oh. I just look at it and go, there's these silver linings that have come out of, of a very, very difficult and challenging time. And uh, I'm ending the year thinking about thing, those things more so than thinking about the challenges that we had to navigate. Because I think there's some hope that exists in that as we look to 2021. For sure. Thank you. Thank you. If we look at 2020, there's there's been so much happening. It's really been a shape-shifting year uh, for totally. HR. And if we look at, so there's the pandemic, uh, which is a, a thing that's happened maybe once every 100 years, which is dramatically impact how HR works. There's uh, George Floyd and Black Lives Matter yeah. movement, which yeah. has been really put HR in the forefront. So HR has always talked about, we need a seat at the table. And I've always believed they need a really strong seat at the table, but it doesn't always happen. And I, Mm -hmm. in some ways, 2020 was the year that really kind of forced it upon Mm -hmm. organizations. Mm -hmm. HR had to step up and really, um, really help the business in navigating these really difficult times. But with all of this is put a lot of pressure on HR professionals. Um, So Mm -hmm. we've, We've mm-hmm. gone through uh, a lot of challenges. What has CPHR done to make sure that we're supporting uh, these HR professionals, giving them the opportunity to recharge their batteries, also yeah. helping them uh, navigate this like, really unprecedented times? Uh, I don't think yeah. we'll see this in our <laughs> lifetime again. Serge, I, I hope we don't. <laughs> yes, um, yes. It has been, uh, you know, I, I think reflecting back, uh, we realized as, as an association that um, where, we, where we live and where we exist is for our members and for our members to grow professionally and to grow personally. And, and so what COVID-19 did or the pandemic did was really catalyze the role of HR in organizations. And uh, you know, the ca- catalyst is, is an interesting term because when you catalyze something, you can never go back to what it was before. It, it fundamentally changes uh, what's happened. And that's what's happened with HR through the pandemic. So HR, to your point, uh, was called to the table um, in a very challenging time uh, to help lead organizations, a function that traditionally kind of stood and waited for being told what to do or to take action once given direction. Now they were being brought forward to say, what can we do as an organization to lead us through what is a very unknown environment? So really, to that point, brought to the table. Well, what happened with us was we realized that as an association and our goal is to support our members we quickly pivoted, we went online in March, uh, quickly pivoted to begin delivering our program online. And we actually developed a program uh, within a two week period that we launched in April called our pandemic webinar series. And uh, this was ideas driven from our team. Our team brought this forward and, and I'm so thankful for them. And what we did is we developed a webinar series where twice a week we uh, delivered webinars on topics that were critically important for our members to help them navigate, help them understand, help them learn, about what to do in the in the in, during the pandemic, but also brought people together in that sense of community that we were really so um, uh, so committed to. And over the period of April and May uh, this past year, we had over eight thousand people join us on those webinars. So eight eight thousand wow. members of our of our community join us on those webinars as a means of learning and connecting. Well, that really transformed who we were as an organization and the role that mm-hmm. we play in supporting organizations and our our professionals through. Uh, the work that we do to help the organizations and guide them. So that's what we've been doing ever since then. It's really been about supporting, helping, guiding, training, learning, providing opportunities for 
bringing great professional development programs to the table for our, our members to participate in and grow through this experience. Because at the end of the day, this is an experience, it's an opportunity for us to grow as a profession, but it's also an opportunity for us to grow as individuals and professionals practicing HR because we're now called to the table, we're now there, we're now having strategic conversations. And I talk to senior HR people all the time. And what they're saying to me is, I can't believe that my teams are able to help us like they have been able to help us. And they've been doing, and we feel that that's a large part of what we've done, but there's even more around that. But if we could be part of that, that's, that's an extraordinary, extraordinary legacy to leave behind when this all is, is moved on to something new. Yeah, there's been so many incredible inspired stories of people helping other people out in the profession. I'm going to switch gears a little bit and um, sure. looking at, so we're focused on recruitment. Uh, a lot of our listeners are, are based in recruitment. So one of the things mm-hmm. that I wanted to ask you is, how do you think 2020 has changed recruitment and its mm-hmm. role into HR? You know, that's a, that's a great question. And um, I think the real, I think recruitment to me, um, when I worked in recruitment years ago, I always took it as, you know, you, you are the, often the first point of contact, the first face, uh, first conversation with an, an individual who's interested in joining your organization. And uh, to me, that is where the value proposition and the conversation really, really begins. And, and do you as a recruiter live the values of your organization? Can individuals see themselves working there uh, because of the impact that you've had uh, with them in the recruitment in the recruitment phase? You know, one of the things that I've always been a little bit disappointed with, and I'm very public about this, is the whole role of the ATS systems and, yep. and the loss of humanity that exists within the recruitment function. And so my goal would be that perhaps what COVID has done for us um, or what the pandemic has done for us has really brought forth the importance of humanity and all the work that we do within an organization. And it doesn't just sit with HR, it sits with everybody that's in that. And I really believe that the, the recruiters and the function of recruiting, there, there is humanity that exists there. And if you can make connections with people, uh, whether, you're, whether you're the recruiter or whether you're the person seeking out the employment, whatever it is, that relationship to me is critically important. And uh, if we can get back to doing a bit more of that versus our ATS systems, man, I got to tell you, that would be something, something incredible to see. Well, it's interesting because we had that discussion last week. And if we look at recruiters and their role within the organization, and we talk about they're really the storytellers of the organization. To your point, they're the first yeah. people that talk to the candidates. So anyone joining your organization, their first like thought of your organization is that recruiter they talk to. So uh, that humanity is so critical and understanding the role that we're sharing and, and be able to tell that story because it really goes to um, another point on that and like the difference between what we call an artist and a worker. And when we talk about um, when we talk about an ATS, um, if we look in last week's episode, uh, James Ellis talked about anything that is a worker, meaning that is a transaction in itself. Someone comes in, you work to these specs and you go home uh, is really what we call a worker. An artist is someone that does does the spec, but also does above and beyond and really tells mm-hmm. that story of working mm-hmm. there. So. Um, we're seeing the ATS becoming a tool to hopefully some of the process so our recruiters can focus on relationships. That's what we've yeah. lost. A recruiter is a relationship manager, a storyteller. So anyways, we could go on and on on, on that topic. But one of the things that stood out in 2020 as well is, is 
really diversity. Uh, and when we yeah, talk yeah. about diversity, it's, it's, it's been magnified, but it's always been there. Uh, and it should have always been there as far as how we recruit. But now it's gone to other levels of the organization. CEO, COOs are really looking at it as something that the organization needs to be done and it needs to be done right away. So yeah. what, what do you think is HR's role in diversity, equity, and inclusion going into 2021? Serge, I think that's a, that's such a critically important question, especially at this time of year. And uh, I want to relate to you a story, being that we're going to talk in story. Yeah. Um, so we were uh, we were navigating the pandemic, and we were dealing with all that stuff. And you know, the Black Lives Matter movement happened that was escalated this past year. And so, you know, one of my staff members came to me and said, "You know what, Rod? We've got to quit talking about it and actually take action on it." And this was later in the week, and so I spent the weekend really thinking about it and thought, you know, if there's one organization that can help other organizations address this issue. It's our association. We represent the function where this would reside in, in any organization. And so we took that to heart. And one of the things that we did was we struck a small team, brought some people together from the community, and we identified, well, what can we do to take action on this this year and next as we move forward in 2021? What became clear to me out of this conversation, this working group that we struck, was that we have a number of individuals who are from the BIPOC community that work in HR. Uh, so not only are they dealing with this as an HR professional, they are dealing with this as a person. And so one of the things that came out of this was, how do we as an association help other organizations unwind that whole systemic racism thing and really create organizations where people feel a sense of belonging? I believe that DEI is one of the most important issues uh, that's facing HR and organizations today. I also believe what's even more important around that is the umbrella of building a place where people feel as they belong. They belong. And they can be them best, their best selves within that organization. They can be who they are all the time, 24-7. And if we can create organizations like that, then we address those issues around diversity, equity, and inclusion. And we create organizations that are stronger because we've identified individuals that really feel as though they belong there. And that, that belonging actually translates into engagement, which then translates into productivity and retention. So from an economic perspective for an organization, focusing on this is really, really important. But it's also very much a community and social good for organizations because employees are now expecting organizations to begin taking action with regards to these issues and not just continue to talk about it. And that's our commitment as an association in 2021 is to further the conversation into action and work meaningfully with partners and ourselves to help address these issues inside these organizations. Something I'm really excited about doing as we start the new year in a few weeks. How do we get, so looking at it, and we always talk about who owns diversity, equity, and inclusion. Where do you stand on that? Who owns within an organization? Who should own that? Yeah, it's a good. It's a good question. I think I think the organization owns it, and I think that really sits with with the board. To be quite honest, in, in you know public companies, uh, advisory groups or advisory boards in, in private companies. So it really sits with the leadership. It sits with the CEO, and it's got to be a CEO mandate. But the the challenge for for many CEOs, and this isn't a bad thing. It's just the state of affairs is that they're often so so uh, focused on other issues around you know financial performance and those type of things that it overshadows the importance of having these DEI conversations and taking action. I think if we can translate DEI or belonging 
into uh, into that economic value creator that it, it really, really is in organizations and help the C-suite understand that tangibly, then I think we can start beginning to take more action. But it really, it, it this is one of those things where it starts at the top. If you're a CEO or, or you're part of the C-suite and you're not buying into this, well, that's that's one heck of a hurdle that's going to be hard to get over. So it really is is the CEO and the CEO is directed by the board. So the board ultimately is the one that's got to come to the organization and say, this is an issue. What are you going to do to address it and um, and challenge the, the organization to do so? Wow. Thank you. Thank you for that, Rod, because I know in uh, our opportunities to speak with thought leaders, not just in Canada, but from around the world to talk about diversity, equity and inclusion, that is the number one message is that unless it starts at the top of the organization, <clears throat> the program just will will eventually fizzle out. It's a, it's never a once and done. So that is it's so such, Shelley, It's such a hear. hurdle. Yeah. It's such a hurdle, Shelly, to get over if you don't have that C-suite, that CEO endorsement yeah. to really push it through. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and that, that resonates with everyone we've talked to from anywhere in the world. Like it, it's gotta be a full on commitment or nothing really changes. So yeah. that's wonderful to hear that the org- that um, CPHR Alberta has got plan to help our, help our members. Um, so, you know, the other thing that I really have appreciated about CPHR, and I think certainly in the last few years, I've seen, um, like some really great work done in terms of giving us data, information, things that we can use as tools to help demonstrate so many different things. Like the research done, uh, whether I think it was, it used to be every other year. I don't know if it's every Mm -hmm. year now, Mm -hmm. but I know that there is tremendous research and insights that you provide to your membership. Share with us maybe the one thing that stood out for you in terms of what, the, the research may be pointing to, and it could be anything, it doesn't necessarily have to mm-hmm. be diversity and inclusion, but um, something that really stood out to you that you could share with us about insights from CPHR. Sure. Um, there's, there's a couple things. The first thing that was a real, a real surprise to me, but then in reviewing the literature, it kind of became clear why, was in our last member, a big member survey that we did uh, just this past year, uh, one of the top three items was data and data analytics. And, and who would have thought that an HR professional would be wanting to learn more, do more, understand more around data and data analytics and the effect that that would have on them as a professional, but also the organizations that, that they work. And so I did a little bit of research on this and I found some really interesting um, insight from a number of different publications. You know, one of the articles I read was that the, the next CHRO is going to be a data scientist. Because the more we know about organization through data, the more effective decisions we can make that benefit the organization. And if you think of, of an example of predictive analytics as an example, and let's say that we could begin to predict engagement versus just measuring engagement. Mm-hmm. Imagine what it would be like if we could tell our organization that, you know what, we're heading down a path where our engagement scores predictively based on the data are going to go down for whatever reason. So we can diagnose the problem and begin to put solutions in place before the event actually happens. Machine-based learning. If you put yourself in a position where you can individualize learning opportunities within an organization, just like we've begun to individualize work. You know, we're, we've gone through this pandemic 
people now asking for different work environments and whatever that looks like in the future is going to be interesting. We'll chat about that. But what's really become out of it is that it's individualized now. People are expected to be treated as an individual within an organization. That's the same when it comes to learning and development. The days of classroom learning, the days of flying somewhere, uh, those are going by the wayside, uh, not just because of the pandemic, just because it's actually more effective for organizations. And, and I'll share with you an example. Uh, we, one of our goals this year was to broaden our reach into the north of 60 area of our jurisdiction. So, so Northwest Territories and Nunavut. What we learned through our work with a number of individuals up there was that they are no longer sending people off for training because it is extraordinarily expensive mm -hmm. and it's mm -hmm. hard to ingrain learning into the organization when they come back. So what they're now doing is looking for online individualized approaches to help their, their, uh, their employees continue to learn and develop without having to leave the area. And that's what we're going to begin to see because on the back of technology, we're able to do this today. So it's only going to be a further growth in 2021, especially in these areas of predictive analytics and machine-based learning. Okay. Wow. I, I want to dig in a little bit deeper on that, Shelly, as far as when it comes to data analytics okay, and go. what the future that looks like. So what, what I've seen working in different HR organizations, uh, more in the talent acquisition, but having a data background or a love for data, um, a lot of organizations have massive challenge with their HCMs, HRIS, whatever you want to yeah. call it, as far as gathering the data from multiple source. So there's one thing of gathering the data, but the other element is, and I think you nailed it, is the analysis of the data is where really the magic happens. And uh, going through, if we're looking at the economy moving forward, it's very much a skill-based economy. The more skills yeah. you acquire, uh, the better suited you are in the workforce. But looking at HR specifically, what can they do to get to that level? Like, do you suggest individualized learning, like you just said? What's the best way of someone that is, I guess, tasked with an organization to bring up their their data game, as we would call it, as far as, um, and where should they start? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, Serge. I think, to me, it always starts with learning. It always starts with understanding. So it's it's important for the organization to understand what data they're collecting and why and how they can use that data to help the organization you know, move forward. And so once you've got that in place, then you can begin to figure out, well, how do you train people? How do you skill transfer? All that stuff you need to do. But right now we're collecting, organizations are collecting enormous amounts of data and they're just kind of going, I don't know what to do with it. I don't know how to do with it. And that's where the data analysis piece comes into play. So I really think from an HR professional perspective, when we think about core competencies, we think about, let's say as an example, the current competency framework is nine functional areas of knowledge and 44 competencies to get the designation. Well, I'm actually chairing a, a group across Canada uh, of a competency update committee that is looking at what are the competencies of the future. Mm -hmm. So in 2021, we're gonna announce our new competency framework that has been done through research. And part of that is areas of data, data analytics, analytics innovation, creativity, human-centered design, design thinking, all sorts of skill areas that you wouldn't find traditionally within the HR function as a whole, let alone within the organization, but areas that are gonna become more important for HR to be, to, be, to be competent in, to help support the organizations of the future. And that's an exciting area for HR. So, you know, long story short, it is about continuing to train and develop yourself in the area of understanding data and data analytics. 
Yeah. And I think one of the key points is when it comes to the technology, this is when, when it comes to leveraging technology, a lot of times this is chosen by IT, uh, finance in some cases, this is where HR really needs to step up their game and really be part of those decisions when it comes to HRIS, HCMs, ATS, all across the board, because you got to have a system that can gather the data that you need and not rely on anyone else because in reality, you know your business. So, Absolutely. 100%. Well said. Well said. Yeah. So is that, I think you kind of answered my next question when you talk, uh, you know, the big reveal here, Rod, with the fact that there's a new, uh, that you're working on this new competency model for HR, uh, because the CPHR designation is, is just that. It, it's, it's meant to set the bar for what, what knowledge and skills. So is there any clues or hints you can give us as to what maybe one or two <laughs> new competencies that you would predict is going to be sure. um, trending in, in 2021? Yeah, I, I'll share with you too. Um, uh, and I'm not giving away the farm on this one either, so it's all good. Oh, okay. The number, the number one, the number one competency of the future for HR is understanding the business. So being able to comprehend the business and business strategy and business operations, all that stuff around the business. HR is in a position to be a function of an organization that can create enormous value through people. But you can't do that unless you know what the business is and, and how the business creates value. And so that it really is, is kind of the number one thing that's come out is that's the HR profession of the future is that you're a business person and you get, you get business. Number two is similar to what we've been talking about, which is kind of around that innovation, creativity, thinking, mm -hmm. that the organizations of the future, and the pandemic showed this, because organizations that continued to thrive through the pandemic were organizations that pivoted and were able to pivot their business operations and continue. Organizations that were lagging behind uh, and not pivoting into the future we're organizations that are going to be more challenged to survive. So this whole concept of, of innovation and creativity within an organization uh, to address trends or issues that come their way and be able to pivot to address them is really important. HR plays a, a huge role there because HR is a function that will help that people-based organization move into what that future looks like. So that innovation, creativity, human-centered design thinking approach, iterative, iterative uh, programs, that type of stuff, is going to be really important for the HR professional of the future as it means as a means of guiding organizations into the future of work. I, I'm wow. so glad you mentioned understanding the business, but one of the things that frustrates me a little bit about that is shouldn't an HR professional be able to understand business 20, 30 years ago? Why is this now just a discussion right now in 2020? Uh, and I think we talk about having a seat at the table as far as a nature organization. Of course, if you don't understand the business, if I'm the CEO, I'm not going to have you at the table. Why are we so far behind in HR as far yeah. as being a key <laughs> component? Well, I wish I knew the, the full answer to that, but let me, let me share with you what my thoughts are. So Again, going back to the concept of what the pandemic did for the profession, it really catalyzed the profession. It elevated the profession uh, in the eyes of senior leaders in an organization. Oh, these people can be strategic. Oh, they can help guide me through this. Okay, this is great. So all of a sudden, that perception of HR being you know, the, the guys that uh, put the events together, the guys that mitigate risks, 
the guys who call me and go to terminate somebody, you know, all the after effects, afterthought stuff that comes into play, that's kind of gone. And so now what we're seeing is HR has elevated itself as a, as a profession. Now in that elevation, you need to deliver. So let me share with you, Serge, related to this, a story that I had early in the pandemic with uh, an organization that will remain nameless. And so will the CEO that I spoke to. He shared with me, you know, Rod, I really believe that HR plays a role here. I just don't feel that my, I just don't feel my HR team has got the capacity to do it. And that's so true. You know, there was a number of stories of, of, of HR being called up, not quite ready, not knowing what yet to do. Other stories of HR coming in, leading change and doing all that stuff. The more we can elevate the profession and elevate the professional within the organization as being a strategic advisor to the business, knowing the business, understanding the business, the better we can counsel those, uh, the senior leaders, the CEO and others on where we need to go uh, as an organization, leveraging that people function into the future. So I think the past is, you know, the past is the past and it's there, but I think what's happened with the pandemic is it's really catalyzed that change in HR in the eyes of our senior leaders and organizations that, yeah, they play an important role. How do we leverage them? Yeah. Are you I, saying we're no HR is no longer the party planning committee? Is that, uh, <laughs> well, that there, there's still a perception that 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 exists there, right? Um, I think the bigger perception though is that well, we'll call HR when we need them, and when we need them, it's often related to a risk situation <laughs> or a, a problem, right? Yeah. Exactly. So a problem. Well, what do we? Why don't we address that problem proactively with the function versus waiting reactively to address it with the function? That's the future of HR to me. You know, I think what I've uh, what I've heard most is certainly organizations that really embraced what HR can bring to the table in terms of how to handle the human beings yep. when we are faced with um, such a un, like an unprecedented time. And so, I think the organizations that actually took heed of what their people leadership or a uh, part of the organization brought to the table, I think they're going to do much better financially. So I, I love the connection. You're absolutely right. We need to tie this back to the business and how we handled this. And I think even from, from where we sit in recruitment, we see why people would make a change or if they are going to make a change. So much of it had to do with how um, the organization handled their people. And I don't think mm. people are ever going to forget that their organization either um, stepped up, supported them, um, or they didn't. You know, mm-hmm. and those those companies that didn't, that just can't make it through, I'd predict those they will find themselves struggling in, in the business community as well to survive financially. Yeah, yeah. Shelly, I, I totally agree with that. And I think I'd like to add one, one additional point to that is what became clear um, through the pandemic itself and as, an, as individuals was understanding um, the importance of purpose. And it's a, it's a demographic thing but also the pandemic has highlighted the importance of, am I doing purposeful and meaningful work here? Am I valued by this organization? Do I see this as a place that I wanna stay for the long term of my career? Do they meet my needs as an individual? So there's been a lot of reflective thought around this. And you know, I, and there was one, one case where I talked to somebody and they said to me, well, you should be, or they should be thankful that they have a job during the pandemic. And I'm like, you know what, that's, that's not necessarily where you want to go because if that person is talented and you're recruiters, you know this, uh-huh. if that person is talented and they can go create value somewhere else with another organization, they're going to do that yeah. because 
today where the where the capital exists is here. Mm-hmm. It doesn't exist in the stuff anymore. It, it, it exists here. And people can leave an organization and take all that with them. So if I was a leader and I was responsible for the long-term you know, um, uh, sustainability of my organization, I'd be looking directly at the people saying, who do I need to have here to help me get here, get there? And who do I need to retain? Because that's the way it's going to happen in the future. Uh, not that they're going to get everything that they want, but at the end of the day, if you start treating people like human beings and individuals that have needs and wants, there's a lot to in there around, uh, around creating value for an organization. Yeah. Do you know, I think that wave started with the whole notion of who's essential and who's not. And I, and, and we saw people looking at themselves and saying, because we all think we are, no matter what your role is, you need to believe that you are essential. Mm -hmm. But now we've had that definite, we had the definition. I'm, I'm grateful this time in the next lockdown that nobody's using that term anymore. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Because it left people to think that, you know, everything I thought that I brought value now I don't. So, yeah, so some interesting times for sure. Thank you, Rod. Mm. Thank you. Pleasure. Wonderful, wonderful insights. Um, Serge, you get the last question. Anything else? No last question. I, we've, uh, we've given too many questions to poor Rod, so I really appreciate that. <laughs> uh, yeah, we grilled you enough. So, Rod... I know you're very active with your members and I know you're very active in the community. So anyone listening to this episode, they want to get in touch with you. What's the best way to, for them to reach out to you? Oh yeah, sure. There's a couple of ways. Uh, certainly my email, uh, rmiller at cphrab.ca. I reach out anytime uh, on LinkedIn. I'm an open connector. Reach out to me on LinkedIn. Let's have a conversation. And uh, those are probably the two best ways and easiest ways uh, to get a hold of me. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. I think this was really enlightening and we're always trying. So obviously our backgrounds is recruitment. We're very focused on recruitment, but the relationship between a recruitment and HR is always an interesting one. Uh, and there's different viewpoints of how it fits in, but either way we look at it, either we're directly in the recruit in the HR department or we're working directly with it. Our relationships are so critical and what's happening in HR is always going to affect recruitment. So thank you for your insights. Absolutely. Thank you for coming on. Absolute pleasure to be here. Thank you for the opportunity. Yes. Thank you so much, Rod. It was wonderful to have you on the show. Thank you, Shelley. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Thank you. Do you love news about LinkedIn, Indeed, Google, and just about every other recruitment tech company out there? Hell yeah. I'm Chad. I'm Cheese. We're the Chad and Cheese Podcast. All the latest recruiting news and insights are on our show. Dripping in snark and attitude. Subscribe today wherever you listen to your podcasts. We We out. out.